From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. As Anthony Albanese and Joe Biden toasted each other last week, one of the most significant deals in Australian history hung in the background. The AUKUS submarine deal isn't just one of the biggest spends our government has ever made, it also promises to transform Australia's military relationship with America. Today, spokesperson on defence for the Australian Greens, Senator David Shoebridge, on whether Australia's $368 billion submarine deal will be worth it. It's Wednesday, November 1st. Senator Shoebridge, you were recently in the United States. Why did you go and what exactly were you trying to find out? Well, one of the principal reasons I went was as part of a broader parliamentary delegation in relation to Julian Assange, and that occupied the first two days of our visit and fully occupied it. But uh, I then had the benefit of a, a third day in Washington, and I devoted the bulk of that to talking with some critical stakeholders, some um, some experts on the issue of AUKUS and particularly the AUKUS submarine proposal, and um, and I've got it was quite enlightening to see the view from Washington, which I I think the politest description of it would be sceptical. Right? Can you tell me a bit more about the view from Washington and why there is scepticism around the AUKUS sub deal? Well, interestingly, the, the people I met with weren't, you know, from the left of politics. In fact, some of them were kind of associated with right-wing think tanks, often have a very robust view, a much more robust view than I have about the benefits of military expenditure. And and some of them were experts who have been analysing this issue for decades, and particularly US nuclear submarine program. And the, the meetings I had were, were under Chatham House rules, so I won't name who they were, but there were people who you'd want to go to to get that kind of perspective and, and they pointed out a couple of, I think, pretty brutal facts about it. First of all, just at the time Australia wants to acquire these nuclear submarines in the tw- early 2030s is a time when there's going to be a valley or a trough in the number of the same submarines available for the United States Navy. And there's no way to fix that because that trough is created by decisions that were made in the mid and late 1990s. And in addition to that, the US Navy's current plans to expand its nuclear submarine program have hit major supply-side constraints. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's a problem. Today, the Navy has 49 attack submarines. That's roughly 25% short of its goal of 66 submarines. The pace of making, as I've read, maybe 1.2 submarines a year, by giving these submarines to Australia, that'll put us three to four years behind in our production process. And looking at the Navy's most optimistic projection... In order to meet their, their current plan, ignoring AUKUS, the additional submarines for AUKUS, they need to be pumping out about two nuclear submarines a year. They've been running at somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 for the last few years, and they're miles behind on their production targets, and they don't seem to have a solution for dealing with their supply constraints. Um, you can't just throw money at this in the United States economy. They don't have the skilled workers. They don't have the dockyards. They don't have the infrastructure. And finally, what they said was, if, if we give you, from the US perspective, if we give you Australia our nuclear submarines and we don't have enough and there's a conflict with China, 
Is there going to be a guarantee that those submarines will be available for a conflict with China? Because absent that guarantee, um, from a US perspective, it's a significant reduction in, in their capacity. Now, from a Greens perspective, I have a lot of problems with that thinking. Um, but you can see how, from a brutal, self-interested perspective from the United States, how providing three or five nuclear submarines to Australia in the early 2030s makes zero sense and is going to have huge resistance in Congress. I guess the government would say that this is about building up Australia's defence capabilities, though, right? And other countries like China have some of these submarines, these nuclear subs. So why wouldn't we want to match that kind of defence capability? Even if you thought this was a good idea, and I, I stress, I think it's a disastrously bad idea with no, you know, no no concrete underpinning to it, and it's likely to, to unravel horribly. But even if you thought this was a good idea, from a, a, an industrial base and a population and an economy the size of Australia, a $368 billion commitment to nuclear submarines means um, it's next to impossible to fund any other significant um, uh, defence acquisition. It'll be literally stripping every other part um, of the Australian Defence Force. And and one of the big proponents, one of the big, you know, uh, supporters of AUKUS, a now retired Australian admiral called Briggs, um, has recently produced a, um, a report which says with eight nuclear submarines, half of them a Virginia-class submarine, half of them this AUKUS-Australia-British joint project, it'll be very expensive to maintain the two supply chains, very hard to keep them in the water, and at best we're going to have two at any one time, two submarines on patrol where you want to have them in the water. Are we really saying that spending $368 billion to put two boats in the water in the South China Sea at any one time is a sensible use of Australia's collective wealth? I mean, it's it's an incredibly um, perverse, uh, from a purely defence perspective, an incredibly perverse use of resources because, uh, again, as Admiral Briggs points out, you get two boats in the water at any one time they're basically one-shot wonders because as, once you fire a missile or a torpedo from them, your opponents know exactly where they are. They lose their stealth capacity. And, and the primary strike capacity of a Virginia-class submarine is, is, is a dozen Tomahawk uh, cruise missiles, which each carry a, a fairly modest payload, you know, about a, I think it's a 1,000-pound bomb. So we're spending $368 billion to put 24... Thousand pound bombs into what will be a, you know, if if we follow down the US path, a, a terrible regional con- conflagration. It's from a defence perspective, it it is it is almost one of the most bizarre misallocations of resources you could imagine. So, if if three hundred sixty eight billion dollars is excessive spending in your view for this project, what? amount of spending would be sensible for defence? Because, you know, it's quite clear that a lot of our military capability isn't up to scratch at the moment. You know, the Taipan helicopters falling out of the sky, basically. The existing submarine fleet that we have is outdated. What would sensible spending look like? Well, something in the order of 1.5% of GDP would be a kind of historical average for Australia. The, the Labor government is committed to pushing it beyond 2% of GDP, which is a significant increase. And the coalition is is of the same view. In fact, there's there's almost 
nothing between Labor and the Coalition when it comes to increased defence expenditure. 1.5% of GDP would be more than sufficient to come up with a a very credible defence strategy focused on defending Australia, not threatening our neighbours. I know that doesn't excite the ADF. It definitely doesn't excite the defence establishment. But that would mean conventional submarines rather than nuclear submarines. It would mean a significant reduction in some of the aggressive strike expenditure that we've seen. And it would contribute to regional stability. Because if we take away our destabilising projection of force into the region, that I think will be part of a, a regional cooling off of what is otherwise a pretty aggressive arms race. After the break, what are we really getting out of our relationship with the US? The Saturday Paper's food editors are some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Let them guide your cooking when you sign up to Schwartz Media's free weekly newsletter, The Food. It features the latest recipe from the Saturday paper, along with a selection of seasonal dishes suitable for all cooks. Subscribe today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. So please join me if I can get a... Here you go. Please join me in a toast to our partnership, our mateship, and the future that we'll create together. Cheers. Cheers. Mr. Prime Minister, the floor is yours. Senator Shoebridge, you wrote this weekend that countries have interests, not friends, and you warn that America will ultimately protect its own interests no matter what kind of deal they've signed. The friendship between Biden and Albanese looks pretty strong at the moment, though. What concerns do you have about America honouring their part of this bargain? Well, the, the problem with watching President Biden and Prime Minister Albanese come together and pretend they're best mates um, is from an Australian perspective, we turn up and shake hands and say, hey, we're best mates, you know, you've got to love Australia, aren't we really important, don't forget about us. And for the United States, their attention just moves on the next day. Um, they have their global interests that they're interested in. They see, I think they largely see Australia as a as a useful sort of vassal state, um, a, sort of a sub-imperial power um, in the region. They are looking to Australia to be a useful place to base their B-52 um, uh, bombers, and they're expanding that capacity in um, up at Tyndall in the north. They're looking at Australia as a base to put their nuclear submarines out at Stirling, um, just off Perth. They're looking at Australia as a base to put in Marines because they realise a number of their existing forward bases um, in Okinawa and and in the, the Central Pacific are at significant risk of uh, from from China's military, and they see Australia as the next the next line of defence, and they're prepositioning and aiming to preposition a whole lot of defence assets in Australia. They don't really see us as a friend. They don't see us as a mate. They see us as a kind of useful bunch of patsies and a useful place to put a bunch of US military assets. 
And, and I think we should be honest about that. Uh, and, and, you know, on this AUKUS deal, if the US Congress in the early 2030s has the US Navy saying they don't have enough nuclear, um, submarines for their own capacity, but would you mind giving five to Australia? What, what do you think a US Congress will say? What will the US Navy say? They will say, well, bugger Australia. We want to keep them for ourselves. And so unless Australia gives an, uh, basically hands over the sovereignty of those submarines, to the United States and, and gives an unambiguous commitment that they will just seamlessly fit into the US Navy, which would be a, a shameful surrender of our sovereignty. There, there is no way at all we'll get the submarines. So we have a choice, basically. You know, surrender our sovereignty and maybe get AUKUS submarines or kind of be genuinely independent. And, Senator, you've had time at Senate Estimates to grill our defence and foreign policy departments about a lot of these challenges recently. I now welcome um, the Australian Submarine Agency. Welcome. Do you have an Are you satisfied that, that they're like really gr- grappling with these things honestly and giving frank and fearless advice? Well, I mean, the short answer to that would be no. We had the Australian Submarine Agency in Estimates last week. And when I put to them the challenges about um, all of these fundamental structural challenges about getting access to any US nuclear submarines, I pointed out to them, are you really saying you have a, a, some sort of guaranteed commitment that that's going to happen in the early 2030s? Their answer was, oh, well, some of them have been to Congress and they've met some people there and they've been very nice to them. And they've uh, indicated that they are, you know, generally very supportive of AUKUS. You won't even acknowledge the extraordinary political risk of that. It's like this is like the worst possible $368 billion gamble, isn't it? I mean, I can just reflect back to you, certainly the Prime Minister's comments. Um, He is there in the United States. He uh, has said himself the strong support that we have from US Congress, the strong bipartisan support. We've seen that ourselves. We've hosted many congressional... And and that's the commitment they have. (laughs) You know, that's what we're spending, what, $50 billion on in the next next seven or eight years and are committing a $368 billion project on because they've had a chat with a few people in Congress and they were nice to them. I I, I just find that deeply disturbing. And when we put the, um, the, the fundamental constraints of a nuclear submarine capacity, as identified by, you know, retired Admiral Briggs, that, you know, eight nuclear submarines, we, we, we get two of them on station at any one time. Is that really a sensible expenditure? We just get these kind of glazed looks and um, assertion that they're committed to AUKUS. Who would spend $368 billion to put two boats in the water? Just, it, it beggars belief. It's a very unusual thing. There's no contribution at all from the US Navy indicating they support the provision of nuclear submarines to Australia. Where where has the US Navy made such a statement? Well, Senator, in all of my engagements, all of Vice Admiral Meade's engagements and the entire team, we have had nothing but full support from the US Navy, from US naval reactors in terms of this contribution. I mean, the President of the United States, in his statement, made it clear that this was a part of the plan. Well, you see, I mean, I, the President I, I, of the United <laughs> States isn't the US Navy. No, The US Senator. Navy they work has for the not President indicated. of the United States, Senator. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I we, we, we've seen how that works here, haven't we? The US will be 
a major player in our region, though, for a long time. So what should cooperation and a, a partnership with the US look like, if not something like AUKUS? Well, we can be friends and partners of the United States without becoming an extension of the US military. Uh, and to the extent that the United States is interested in, you know, open open trade, um, uh, the UN law of the sea, um, well, then let's by all means join together. But, you know, I think we should also point out some of the gross hypocrisy from the United States when it when they say that they're in the South China Sea in order to promote um, the UN law of uh, UN law on the sea and some international rules based order. Because the United States has refused to join the, um, or say that it is bound by the international law of the sea. Because the US wants to be able to, um, in its own home waters and around the world, send its military wherever the hell it likes, regardless of any kind of international legal restriction. And, and many people in the region see that as pretty gross hypocrisy. Uh, and I think being a friend to the United States means telling some of these hard truths. I think it means working with the United States where it assists, you know, peaceful cooperation between nations. But I don't think we should, it's not in our interests and it's not in the region's interests to be joining with the United States to fuel a regional arms race. And, you know, the idea that there's some inevitable conflict between China and the United States and we have to pick a side and we have to arm for that inevitable conflict, that is incredibly dangerous for Australia because if that war happens it will be devastating on a scale that it is hard to conceive. Senator David Shoebridge, thanks so much for your time. Oh, that's my pleasure. Always happy to chat. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, around 70 bushfires burned out of control in Queensland yesterday. The fires have destroyed 85 structures, including 46 homes, and two people have died. And a reminder, from today, you can listen to a new podcast from us and Schwartz Media called Rupert, The Last Mogul. The series investigates Rupert Murdoch's rise, how he builds power, how he uses it, and how he came to be called the most dangerous man in the world. Look for Rupert the Last Mogul in its own feed today. Episodes will also be here on 7am every Saturday. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again tomorrow.